Friends of the Trib has a tremendous idea in the wake of the absurdity spewed by Neil Huntington. Uh, the Pirates GM said that if more tickets get sold, the Pirates will consider adding talent and payroll at the July 31st trade deadline, which is a bunch of crap. It's a recycled lie. It's the lie that keeps on lying. That lie is the bread and butter of the Pirates organization. So Tim said the attitude of Bucko fans should be, go get talent now. And that makes sense because the Pirates are still kind of in contention. And in fact, at 500 and having won three out of four after beating Milwaukee last night. So go get talent now and then we will show up. And hey, maybe the fans will turn out to be lying, but two can play at that game. Turnaround is fair play. This is the Mark Madden Show. You like it, you love it, you want more of it. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call to go one-on-one with the great one, or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Here's the latest on Phil Kessel. Phil still wants out. Still wants the Penguins to trade him. Just doesn't like playing for Mike Sullivan. But I'm also told the Penguins are backing off trying to trade him because it's difficult to replace 92 points. That's the latest on Phil Kessel. He wants out, but the Penguins seem reluctant. We've got quite a bit of hockey talk today. Barry Trotz was spotted at the Newark airport, so I guess... He's going to talk to Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders about their coaching vacancy. But I stand by what I've been saying. Trot shouldn't go there, and John Tavares shouldn't stay there. People are giving Lou Lamorello a little too much cachet at 75 years old. What he did in New Jersey was a long time ago. What he did more recently in Toronto wasn't all that great. If I were Barry Trotz... I'd start the season unemployed and wait for a dream-type job to come to me. I would take a bit of a break. Here's some big hockey news just breaking. The Columbus Blue Jackets are reportedly shopping winger Artemi Panarin. Scored a bunch of goals in Chicago. Scored a bunch of goals in Columbus this past year. Sharpshooting winger. Can really bury that puck. He has one year left on his deal, and right now he will not negotiate an extension with Columbus. So the Blue Jackets are shopping him. He would be an ideal fit for the Penguins, but he makes $6 million. There's no way they could afford what it would take to acquire him, and they could not afford to pay him. Uh, Getting back to baseball, the Pirates beat Milwaukee last night, 1-0 at PNC Park. The paid attendance was 10K, so let's face it, the fans aren't coming back. Like Ben said, the Pirates need to convince the fans, cajole the fans, beg the fans, show the fans something, give the fans something. In other words, put out first, and then maybe I'll take you to the prom. The Washington Nationals have only two more wins than the Pirates, and they went out yesterday and got a closer. Kelvin Herrera from Kansas City. That's what good teams do, 
And that's how you convince fans to come to the ballpark. The Pirates could have traded for Herrera. The Nationals gave up like a mediocre prospect package. And Herrera makes about $4 bucks the rest of the season. And then he's a free agent. You bring him to Pittsburgh. You make him the setup man. And that really irons out your bullpen. But that's spilt milk. Uh, last night, listen to this. Last night was the third smallest June crowd in the history of PNC Park. And the two that were lower were up against Penguins home games in the Stanley Cup final. The fans are not coming back to PNC. The trust is broken. Only new ownership can fix it. But that doesn't mean Nutting's ever going to sell the team. He still gets TV money and tech money and revenue sharing, and he will just cut payroll to the bone. I don't just mean player payroll. I mean payroll for the entire franchise, top to bottom. Players, ushers, ticket takers, ticket sellers, bat boys, foul ball girls, all going to take a pay cut because nothing is going to get his. Uh, Trevor Williams had a great game last night pitching for Pittsburgh. Just another example of the inconsistency of so many Pirates pitchers. But when the pendulum swings good, it could be amazing. Williams allowed uh, one hit over seven innings. Jordy Mercer drove in the only run. And Gregory Polanco even got another hit. Sweet sassy molassy. Uh, they do it again tonight. Bucks and Brewers at PNC. 7 p.m. Tie on pitches for Pittsburgh. He will likely be real good or real bad, as we've been talking about. Uh, Austin Meadows is not in the lineup again tonight. Didn't play last night. Uh, might as well send him down. Hurdle mangled the situation in the outfield. Absolutely mangled the situation with the four outfielders. You had four outfielders who were all producing, all hitting. Marte, Meadows, and Dickerson, all doing well. Hurdle had to rotate in Polanco because he wanted to placate him or encourage him or not get a phone call from his parents asking why little Gregory wasn't playing very much. So he rotated the four outfielders, and baseball's a game of rhythm. It's a day-to-day -day rhythm. That's important, especially when you're going well. And what Hurdle did to try to heat up Polanco he cooled Don Dickerson, he cooled Don Meadows, and he cooled Don Marte. None of the four outfielders are hitting well since the four-man rotation started, and before the four-man rotation, three of them were hitting well. Hurdle absolutely mangled it. It was an amateurish move, and if he wasn't signed through, what, three more years, he'd be the guy to fire. But they won't because they're not going to pay him for not managing. Once again, the bottom line is the bottom line. Interesting at tonight's game, Stephen Brault, the pitcher, will be singing the national anthem. I've not heard of that before where a, a, an active player, a participant in that game, well, in Brault's case, potentially a participant, he sings the national anthem. Never heard of that. Uh, you know what he should do? Take a knee while he's singing it. That would cause a lot of controversy. Uh, got a lot to talk about when it comes to Steelers, Steeler training camp, not too far away. We'll talk about that in a little bit. 
Uh, we're going to talk about two Whippeal basketball stars transferring, and their old schools are going to try to keep them ineligible under the athletic intent rule. We all need to grow up when it comes to that crap, and I'll go into great depth about that a little bit later in the program. We're also going to talk about uh, the Mike Hoffman situation. That, that's a good question. I got a blog posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. Would you dump your girlfriend to get your hockey career back on track? I don't know if that's the situation that Mike Hoffman's facing per se. I don't know if that's a question he has to answer. I do know that, wow, he went to San Jose to Florida and the return was peanuts. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. We got Dale Lawley from DK Pittsburgh Sports. He covers the Steelers. He'll join me at the bottom of the hour. And we got the Godfather, Stan Saverin, at 430. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X. With the NHL draft this weekend, it's tough to get a grip on what the Penguins are going to do in terms of deals, roster moves, because the team is fine as it is. It could contend for the Cup as it is. The Penguins need more depth, like Jim Rutherford said, but it's a 31-team league with a salary cap, so every team needs depth. Do the Penguins need a shakeup per se? I don't know. I don't see losing in six games in the second round to the eventual Stanley Cup champs. I, I don't see that as a disaster, and especially not after winning the last two cups. Now, trades are already being made. Uh, Max Domi went from Arizona to Montreal. Arizona got Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, that's a great deal for Arizona, unless Domi suddenly realizes his potential, which I am not counting out, but... Domi got nine goals in each of the last two seasons, and that's just horrible production for a guy with first-round pedigree. Uh, Ottawa today traded Mike Hoffman and his lovely girlfriend to San Jose. Uh, it was a package deal, but the main thing Ottawa got was Michael Boddicker and rid of Hoffman's girlfriend. Although, Ottawa is going to trade Eric Carlson, so they could have kept Hoffman, but... I guess was just a toxic situation. Hoffman has to dump his girlfriend. I posted a blog about that on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. It's going to be tough because I hear they've been together for over a decade, but she's nuts, and his hockey career is more important. It just is. And then after Hoffman got traded to San Jose, the Sharks turned around and traded Hoffman to Florida. So the Sharks were just clearing cap space and getting some draft picks. Now, Hoffman's a good player. He's topped 20 goals in each of the last four seasons, so that's a good get for Florida. But he's got to ditch his girlfriend. Boy, the Senators fell apart quick. They lost in overtime in Game 7 to the Penguins in the Eastern Conference Final last year. And this season they missed the playoffs, and now they're being quickly disassembled. Uh, the Florida general manager, Dale Talon, says he did his homework on the Hoffman situation uh, with the nutty girlfriend cyberstalking Eric Carlson's wife, and Talon says she won't be a problem. Yeah, I bet all the Florida wives and girlfriends will welcome that nut job with open arms. 
I bet Talon didn't even talk to any of his players about that situation, let alone any wives and girlfriends. Talon is an old-school hockey guy, and all he thinks about is the game. To him, the girlfriend stuff with Hoffman, that's just peripheral crap. Uh, At the trade deadline this past season, Ottawa wanted a first-round pick and a big-time prospect for Hoffman. Uh, Now, by comparison, the Senators gave him away. At that price, the Pens should have got Hoffman, and I'm not kidding, just hide his girlfriend's computer. Uh, It's going to be an interesting time this week in hockey. We're going to get a flurry of trades, and then the draft, and then free agency on July 1st. Trotz was at the Newark airport, so he's definitely meeting with Lou Lamorello about the Islanders' job. He's definitely not vacationing in Newark, put it that way. You know, Trotz isn't Scotty Bowman. He's not Mike Sullivan. Trotz has had one good playoff run, and otherwise, Trotz's teams have always underachieved in the playoffs. He's no magic bullet for the New York Islanders. Uh, The U.S. Open has come and gone. Hopefully so is the whining over the course being too tough. And the funny thing in the British Open, that's the next major, it's at Carnousie, Carnousie, no idea how to pronounce it, don't care. And it's right on the coast of Scotland. The weather sucks, the wind is horrific, and it's a link-style course with the narrow fairways, so it's going to be another nightmare, which means I will watch. Carnousie is so tough that when Sergio Garcia was 19, he came off the course and ran to his mother, and he was in tears. But everybody won't be whining as much about how tough this course is because it's British golf tradition. It's the Open. It's going to be exciting. I think there's a checkers tournament on another station at the same time so we can switch back and forth between them because these are not sports. These are games. Or maybe we can watch wiffle ball or poker. Uh, There's a big story in the paper today about two Whitfield basketball stars transferring. Two sophomores. Isaiah Smith is transferring from Swickley Academy to Lincoln Park, where he joins Mike Shinoda in the backcourt, I guess. Isaac DiGregorio is transferring from Hampton to North Catholic, where his dad is going to be in his first year as coach. Neither Swickley Academy nor Hampton has yet signed off on the transfer and, in fact, may contest athletic intent and try to make these kids ineligible. Yo, grow up. Let the kids play. Smith can't afford Swickley Academy anymore, and DiGregorio wants to play for his dad. There's nothing sinister here. Both kids should be eligible, and it should not even be a point of discussion. Uh, One more quick hockey note. The Penguins re-signed forward Tobias Lindbergh, a restricted free agent, two-way contract. Uh, He's a bubble player, plays big, uh, came to Pittsburgh as part of that Derek Broussard trade. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. It's the Mark Madden Show. Up next, we're going to talk Steelers with Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com. That's Dale Ollie up next on 105.9. Boy, the hockey news is piling up. Not only is Columbus trying to trade Panarin 
Philadelphia is trying to trade Wayne Simmons. Uh, Josh Owey at The Athletic is reporting that the Penguins did indeed talk to Arizona about Max Domi before the Yotes traded Domi to Montreal. And uh, I'll tell you some of the names Jim Rutherford reportedly dangled in front of Arizona in just a few moments. But right now, it's time to talk Steelers. Joining me from DKPittsburghSports.com, it's football writer Dale Ollie. Dale, I want to talk about John Bostick, the inside backer the Steelers signed from Indy. Where is he on the depth chart right now? Well, right now, Mark, and, and you, you, you give me that cliffhanger. I want to know who the Penguins were dangling. Uh, you got to stay tuned like everybody else, Dale. <laughs> uh, right now he's running behind Tyler Matikiewicz. Um I expect that to change at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of times the Steelers do things like this. They'll, they'll give the, the more uh, – they'll throw a bone to a guy who's been on the roster a little bit longer just to uh, to give him an opportunity. And it, it gives Matikiewicz a chance to work with Vince Williams a lot. Um, didn't get a chance to see that much last year because of the uh, – the he, he got hurt the same game that Ryan Shazier did. Uh, so, you know, I, I think eventually Bostic surpasses Matikiewicz uh, in, in the uh, starting lineup and, and becomes their, uh, the starter next to uh, Vince Williams. Well, what are the Steelers' expectations for Bostic? Because Bostic said not too long ago that the Steelers signed him and plan to play him every down. Yeah, I mean he's their best guy. He's best their best suited guy in coverage of their inside linebackers. Um, maybe not as much as L.J. Ford, but L.J. Ford has other limitations to keep him off the field. Uh, Bostic is uh, watching him move around at, at the uh, OTAs and minicamp. Uh, he's a lot more mobile than what uh, what I thought he was when they signed him. Um, he, he's certainly more mobile than Vince Williams or Tyler Matikiewicz. Uh, you know, he was a four-six guy coming out of uh, coming out of college in the draft. Um, you know, and he was a second-round draft pick. He is he is a much higher pedigree uh, than than any of those other guys. What are the what are the pros and cons with Bostic in terms of uh, you mentioned he's great in pass coverage? Can he play both? I didn't both say great. In... I said he's I said he's the <laughs> best one that they've got. Okay, well that that's a significant a difference. <laughs> what I want to know is can he play both inside backer spots? What's the difference there, Dale, between those? Two spots, and what's the terminology the Steelers use? Uh, it's, it's the Mac and the Buck, and, and really, there's overall not a ton of difference. They usually like to have one bigger, you know, one big run stuffer in there, and another guy that's capable of, uh, you know, running in coverage. Uh, if you think back, that's always been the the dynamic that they had there, and you know, it may be changing now. Uh, the NFL is changing. It's 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 a it's a pass first league. You you know, you think back to you know, 20 years ago, um, they could get away with running their 3-4 a lot and, and not have to uh, to run a lot of nickel and dime. Now they run their nickel and dime defenses 75% of the time. Um, you know, so a lot of times those the, those inside backers aren't even going to be on the field together. How tough is it to learn the Steelers system at inside backer? How complicated is it really? I don't, I don't think it's that difficult. I mean, if you remember James Ferrier, Ferrier came in right away and started. Vince Williams started as a rookie. Uh, you know, a lot of games. So uh, it's I don't uh, run and get the ball. Kendrell Bell did it. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Kendrell Bell was capable of, of of just hey, go get the football, and that's a lot of what the the inside linebacker play is. Um, now the coverage stuff is is a little bit different. Uh, you have to know your zones. You have to know you know where your deep where your drops are at and those kind of things. So that that's a little different. But by, by and large, and I've talked to Bostic about this. 
um, it's not a great deal of difference between what he's being asked to do here and what he's been what he's done with some of the other teams that he's been with. I have a hunch that despite all this talk about safeties playing in place of linebackers and so forth, and I know the packages will will vary a great deal, Dale. But I think their base package is still probably going to use the two backers, correct? It'll probably be Bostick and yeah. Williams. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, they only play that about twenty five percent of the time. Um, you know, but there are going to be times, you know, there are going to be teams and games where they're going to play that more. I mean, when they're playing Jacksonville, uh, it's certainly a, a different defensive style or what they're being going to be trying to do against that offense as opposed to playing New England. Uh, Jacksonville is going to line up with a with a fullback and try to run it, you know, down their throats. And New England's going to come out with uh, you know three and four wide receivers and Gronk on the field and and try to throw the ball. So you know it's it's they they have to be able to do a lot of different things. And you know they weren't going to replace Ryan Shazier in this offseason. I think people thinking that they could do that uh, competently with one person it just it just wasn't going to happen. I'm not uh, sure if they the ever can truly do it, Dale. That no, type of player. But, yeah. Not that type of player, but what you can do and what they've been doing over the last you know six months is figuring out ways to make the defense work without a player with that capability. And that can, that's going to be the big difference. People keep asking, what's the difference? What's going to be different now uh, with this defense that you know they couldn't do last year? Well, he got hurt December 4th. They had like basically you know a month to get ready for the playoffs, and you can't completely tear up your defense in that, in that time period and start over. Um, so, you know, so they, they had to deal with what they had and, uh, you know, now they've had some time to kind of work the defense in a, in a different way to, to figure out ways that they can make this whole thing work without having a Ryan Shazier out there. We're talking to Dale Lally. You can read him at DKPittsburghSports.com. You can hear him on the Steelers radio network. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger talked about leaving money on the table in his next contract. So Ponce and Gilbert can get paid. Uh, Ben really loves this offensive line, doesn't he? Yeah, and there's—I mean, why wouldn't he? <laughs> you know, they've spent a lot of money on it, and they've invested in those guys, and and they've kept him, uh, you know, pretty upright over the last few years. So you think about how much he was being sacked in the, you know, four or five years ago uh, to where he's at now. Um, it's it's night and day, and those guys are a big part of it. And, and having those guys together and keeping them together, that should be a, a pretty big deal to him. The only problem with that is is they're all starting to uh, hit thirty. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much longer you, you can keep the, the gang together. Uh, you know, what, you know, you've got Ramon Foster coming up for a contract uh, uh, after this season. He's 33 years old. I mean, you, I, I highly doubt they're going to give him another contract. So, you know, you have to start plugging some new guys in there. Uh, they have B.J. Finney waiting. But, they're, you know, you have to make some tough choices there. Who's the best of the linemen right now? And maybe best isn't the right word. Uh, who's the most important? Well, I think DeCastro is the best. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at what he does, um, pretty much everything. Now, they've played without Foster or without uh, Gilbert for a long stretch last year, and Chris Hubbard did a, a, a pretty good job there and, and got paid for it, too, $36 million. Um, I mean, DeCastro is their best guy. He has surpassed Pouncey as being that best offensive lineman, and Gilbert's really good as well. Um, they've they've got you know some some high quality players on their offensive line, um, but keeping DeCastro healthy, I think, is 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 critical because he's just. I think he you know Pouncey's the glue that holds the group together, but I think you know it just 
if you had to play, say, the 10, 10 games that you had last year without uh, without Marcus Gilbert, uh, it would be very difficult to do that without David DeCastro. What are the Steelers going to do with their tight ends this year? Uh, ben loves to use the tight end deal, but do they really have a legit number one tight end? Oh, yeah, they do. Vance McDonald, uh, you're going to see a much different player this year than what you saw last year. I mean, he he, got, he came to this very late in the game um, and, you know, or, right before the season started. So people think, you know, we're talking about the injuries that he had and he couldn't play because of them. He could have played had he been here throughout the process. But because he was so late coming into camp for them and basically had no training camp with them, um, the fact that he couldn't practice in a couple of those weeks made it so that he then could not play because the coaching staff really had no trust that he would be able to pick up the game plan, that kind of thing, because it's just very difficult. Um, when you don't have any kind of track record with that guy. Uh, they think enough of him. They moved his locker right next to Ben Roethlisberger's this year. Uh, those two are going, going to be uh, really, really good friends this year. And uh, I, I expect Vance McDonald to catch 50 passes. Wow. And Ben loves to use the tight end. And are we going to see multiple tight end? Because they got some decent backups, too. Yeah, I mean, I think Jesse James is better served as being the number two guy. And, and you know he can do some good things, but he's you know he's he's a number two. That's what he is. He doesn't run like Vance McDonald. Um, he's a big target, and, and he's able to uh, to use his body in, in that way. But uh, he's more Vance McDonald is more Heath Miller circa 2010. Jesse James is more Heath Miller circa 2015. If you if you get what I'm saying there, when, when by the time you know, by the time 2015 came around. Keith really didn't run that well anymore. It was more about boxing people out and, and knowing where to, to find the spots and the, the you know the, the seams and those kind of things. Vance McDonald can run. Um, you know he does have some drop issues, but he is a weapon that they're going to use this year. Now Mike Hilton came out of nowhere and had that great season last year. Got cut a couple times, joined the Steelers. First real pro year last year and played great. What are the expectations for him this year? And will his role remain as the nickel? Or can he compete for a uh, more traditional starting cornerback spot? No, I mean, he's the nickel, and he's one of the best nickel guys in the league. I mean, when you, when you start looking at that position. And really, that that, that position is a starting position. Uh, again, you, you're playing that defense 75% of the time. Um, you know, what is your base package now? <laughs> it's, it's certainly not the 3-4 anymore, even though that's what they call it. Uh, they call that the base, but it's not. You know, the nickel is really their, their base package, and that's Mike Hilton is on the field. And, you know, I, I think he can he can be so much better than what he was last year. I mean, you think about it. He, those were the first NFL games he played last year. Um, so this, he, he's still, you know, there are a lot of young guys on that defense. People keep asking, how can this defense get better? They get a lot of young guys in the, on that defense that, you know, you, you had the expectation that they would, they would get better. Um, they better get better. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, you, you think about it, I think – you know, Hilton's going to going to be a much better player this year. Uh, you're still waiting to see Stephon Tuitt take that step that you, you, you see that you see him make plays and do things um, that look like he could be one of the best players in the league, and then he keeps getting hurt. Um, you know, but the expectation is there that he's he's going to be a big you know a big part of this thing. That's why they paid him all the money they did. Um, you know, so there there are a lot of young guys in his defense that can get better, and Hilton is certainly one of them. Well, staying with him for one more second, I, I like hearing that he's going to stay at nickel because you remember, Dale, with Deshae Thompson, 
He was a great nickel. Whenever they tried to upgrade him, he just couldn't do that job as well, could he? Yeah, I mean, you see the limitations in terms with Deshea in, in particular in terms of his straight-line speed. He, he, he's fine on the inside, and, and, and Hilton does a lot of good stuff from the slot. I mean, he's, his, his timing on blitzes is, is, is impeccable. Um, you know, you saw him uh, cover Rob Gronkowski one-on-one at times last year in that game, and he actually broke up a pass down by the, by the goal line, if you remember, in that game against the Patriots uh, that was intended for Gronkowski. He's a tough, tough, tough player. And, uh, you know, if, if he weren't five foot eight, you know, they list him at five nine. He's, he's much closer to five eight. Um, you know, if he were six foot tall, you'd really have something there, but he's not. He's five eight. Which of the younger D backs is most likely to have a breakthrough season, Dale? And how badly is that needed for one of those guys at least to really step up? Well, I think they, they really need both of them to step up. They both have to, I mean, they're both going to be starting. Uh, so they really need Artie Burns, and they really need Sean Davis to kind of start to get it now. Uh, this is year three, and you know neither one of them they, they they both started as rookies, but they didn't start full time. Well, last year was their four, first full year of starters. You expect there to be some growing pains. Well, now you expect that some of those growing pains, some of those issues that they had, and a lot of it was tackling. Uh, you know, you start to, that starts to to get better, and that's why that you know Tom Bradley is going to. Uh, have these guys tackling a lot, uh, you know, in the secondary at camp, working on that kind of stuff because they need it. Um, you know, they missed a lot of tackles last year, and those two were, were a big part of that. Are the Steelers surprised Martavis Bryant got suspended again? Boy, uh, Colbert looks like a genius, but I'm not sure it required uh, that high of an IQ. I mean, how could you be surprised? Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree. I think I think this one is for probably missing – an appointment with his uh, therapist. I don't think it's a positive drug test um, because if, if it were a positive drug test, there would be no looking at this and going, oh, we don't know if he's going to get suspended or not. Um, yeah, that's automatic. So, you know, I, I think Martavis is trying to do the right things. Um, it's tough, though. I mean, they, you know, when, you, when you've, you're being asked to, to submit urine samples three times a week and then you have to go to, to the therapist, uh, at least once a week, every week. I mean, they really make it difficult on these guys to not trip up, and it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this. In the same vein, isn't Lev Bell like a ticking clock in that regard? See, I think the Steelers deal have played it perfectly with Lev Bell. Year by year, it costs you a little bit more money, you know, at a given time with the franchise thing, but I think you get maximum use out of them without as much risk. Well, I mean, yeah, there is that part of it, but I think you know, I think they would still like to sign him beyond this season. Um, you know, it's 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 hard to find guys like that that they you know catch eighty five balls and, and carry the ball three hundred and twenty times. Uh, they just don't you know people who say, well, just go and get one another one in the draft. I mean, Trent Richardson was the third overall pick in the draft, and he didn't work out. Uh, it, it's not it's not just that easy. Um, you know. The people who love James Conner, and, and you know, I get it. It's a great story. He's not Le'Veon Bell. Um, he's not even, not even on the same. He's on the same team. They're on the same planet, but they don't play the same game. Um, it, it's he's a really good football player. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes out. I expect him to uh, to have a good year this year. Uh, I expect him. Somebody's going to pay him a bunch of money. 
Uh, it's probably not going to be the Steelers, but somebody's going to give him a, a boatload of money, and uh, they're probably going to be pretty happy with the return. Dale, great stuff as always. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, no problem, Mark. Anytime. That's Dale Aldi. Check out his work at DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm Mark Mann. You're listening to 105.9 The X. Here's more breaking hockey news. As mentioned earlier in the show, Phil Kessel still wants out of Pittsburgh, but the Penguins have backed off on the idea of trading him because uh, it'd be tough to replace 92 points. Phil Kessel just isn't going to like Mike Sullivan ever. Phil Kessel just isn't going to like any head coach he plays forever. Kessel and Tockett were close here in Pittsburgh when Tockett was an assistant coach. If Kessel went to Arizona and Tockett was his head coach, it would take a couple of weeks, no more, before Kessel hated Tockett. That's just always going to be the relationship between Phil Kessel and whoever tells him what he has to do. Uh, Apparently... The thought of Kessel going to Arizona was floated, but Arizona just couldn't afford to pay Kessel, and there's no point having him there right now anyway, given that uh, as good as Phil is, how much could he elevate the team? Who's there for him to play with? If Arizona was close to a contender, maybe, then you spend the money on that guy. Right now you don't, and they're not going to. Uh, The Penguins talk to... Arizona about Max Domi before he went to Montreal in the trade for Galchenyuk. But uh, no go for the Penguins. Montreal made a pretty good offer in Galchenyuk. I thought Arizona won that deal. But apparently some of the names that were made available to Arizona in that potential deal were Brian Rust, Connor Sheary, and Dominic Simone. Uh, I don't know why anybody would want Simone. Sherry, if you need goals, he'll score him. Brian Russ told you he might be made available. He's a movable component. Uh, in other hockey news, uh, Columbus, as mentioned, may trade Panarin. He doesn't want to negotiate an extension right now. It has just one year left on his contract. What if Chicago pulled a fast one and traded Panarin to Columbus to get Sod back, and then Panarin goes right back to Chicago after his deal expires. That way you get Panarin playing with Kane and Sod playing with Taves, although that Sod and Taves combination will have to work out better this coming year than it did this past. And I don't put the blame on that for Sod. I thought Taves was a shell of what he's expected to be. Also, there's a report the Flyers are trying to trade Wayne Simmons. Now, you know they'd never trade him to their biggest rival, the Penguins. And for that matter, Columbus would never trade Panarin in the division to the Penguins if you were daydreaming about that at all. But, uh, boy, very few players would fit the Penguins better than Wayne Simmons. I've often said if I could pick one player off another team to add to the Penguins, it might be Wayne Simmons. Hey, Connor McDavid, he'd only come here and be the Penguins' third-line center. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. In a perverse way, I'm looking forward to Steelers training camp. We talked about that with Dale Lawley a moment ago. 
Uh, now, I'm not going to go to Latrobe. I'm not that perverse, but the Steelers are a team that has major strengths and also some major problems, and I want to see how they try and fix those problems. The funny part about the Steelers is we so often dwell on what doesn't matter. I'm guilty of that, too. Uh, we will debate forever who should be the number two quarterback because Mason Rudolph has impressed in his brief tenure, and Landry Jones has not in his lengthier tenure, but... Jones knows the system, so it's hard to imagine Rudolph opening the season as the number two, but let's be frank, that debate doesn't at all matter because if Ben gets hurt, the Steelers are dead, and it doesn't matter who the number two is. Then again, that's maybe what we thought in 2004 when Tommy Maddox got hurt. Uh, We should be talking about inside backer and not about should the Steelers play seven safeties in place of inside backers. We should be talking about John Bostic like Dale Wally and I just did. Dude started 14 games for Indy last year, and he's still not above dirty red on the depth chart, but that'll change. He's got to learn the system, blah, blah, blah. But if Bostic says the Steelers brought him in to play every down, and that's not true, then why did they bring Bostic in? I bet we're thinking too much about that situation. I bet the Steelers mostly line up traditionally with Vince Williams and Bostic as the inside backers. Then again, that base package only plays about 25% of the downs, if that. Another key player that Ollie and I talked about was Mike Hilton. Great season at nickel last year. Not good, but great. Can Hilton do that again? Because until last year, he was some jabroni who got cut so many times, it's a wonder he didn't bleed to death. Jacksonville and New England both cut him in 16 before he got to Pittsburgh. And then last year, his first full real year of pro football, He gets four sacks, two picks, and a forced fumble. Hilton played great, but he has zero pedigree. Can he do it again? Like sands through the hourglass, so go the days of our lives. In 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you about a hockey guy who made a big mistake. 105.9 The X.